Hey, for the first time, this is part nine of a multi-part series designed to help introduce and discuss the source material for the HBO show Watchmen. If you are unfamiliar with the story or like to start from the beginning of a story, you may want to see our episode on issue one. Alright, and welcome to Sam and Scott are watching Watchmen, the show where we watch the HBO show Watchmen. I am Scott. I am Sam. I am Sam. I am Sam. (laughs) Something he hasn't been able to change yet, folks. And uh... (laughs) The court systems won't let me. No matter how hard I try. He's been trying to change his name to Rorschach for the last 20 years. Uh, Sam Rorschach. That is funny. That is right. I've been trying to say my name to Dan Dryberg for the last 10, you know. That's what I use. Now that we're big celebrities, whenever I go to a hotel, that's what I use. So if you ever need to find me in a Marriott, just look for Dan Dryberg. He's under Dan Dryberg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's man. Right. That is hilarious. All right. What's up, uh, guys? Hey, everybody. Welcome to this. Hey, we're going to talk about Chapter 9 today. Uh, a few things, a little housekeeping first. Uh, remember, you can always send us your feedback. Uh, email us at watchingwatchmen at nerdcyclopedia.com. Mm-hmm. Um, find us on um, Facebook. We got a Facebook group. Sam and Scott are watching Watchmen. Um, that's right mm-hmm. on Facebook. And you can also um, um, call up our page at Nerdcyclopedia on Facebook as well. Check that out. That's the flagship podcast. That's where it all started. Yes, sir. If you ever want to hear how far we've come, <laughs> feel free to check out. From the beginning. <laughs> from the very beginning, the genesis of this podcast. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter at uh, Watchmen Podcast One. Uh, that's Watchmen Podcast One. Instead of a T, just a one. Just they a wouldn't one. give us the extra brushstroke. No, no, no extra line. There we go. And also um, check us out on Instagram. Um, at Nerd Cyclopedia, we got an Instagram um, um, page and everything. Um, also on Twitter at Nerd Cyclopedia as well, and YouTube, well, YouTube channel. Oh yeah, yeah, check yeah check out our YouTube channel at Nerd Cyclopedia. <laughs> Listen to our podcast at any place: Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn. You know, anywhere that you um, listen to your favorite podcast, we are there. As always, we appreciate the follows, we appreciate the subscriptions, and we do really appreciate those reviews. Keep them coming. Listen, five-star review, or else I remember, I get to give you the business. That is the rules. Yes. And I enjoy giving people the business. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, chapter nine. Uh, chapter eight, as we discussed, ended with the dramatic escape of Rorschach from prison. Oh, man. And the, uh, and the yeah. end of... <laughs> The end of big figure. Uh, you got to take care of. So the disposal of the 1965 villain. Uh, you know that, that's a really. Uh, there's a lot of comic relief in that because there's a lot of that banter back and forth. Oh, and uh, this chapter is a little bit more like more serious. Yeah. It's got a much more serious tone. Yeah. In fact, yeah. the whole point. These these characters say we're going to debate the fate of the world. Like that's. <laughs> That's heavy, man. That's some pretty big. Uh, yeah, just go a, a, a casual back and forth and everything. You know, should the world end? Should the world stay as is? What's the um, consequences of man's decisions? You know, yes. um, that's what we're yes. going to go into. Well, that's what this chapter is going to go into. 
Exactly. All right. So without further ado, we, we start we sort of start off here. Um, and the first thing we see is the the bottle of nostalgia, which is the perfume made by Adrian Ozymandias Veet. Mm-hmm. And it is tumbling through the air. Uh, we find that uh, we're, we're treated to the opposite angle of the last scene of chapter eight, which is uh, Dan running in and uh, finding Dr. Manhattan oof, in his uh, <laughs> in his living room. Probably right. not a super unterrifying thing since he's been <laughs> sleeping with his girlfriend right. uh, or ex-girlfriend anyway. Mm-hmm. I imagine that would be something that would... Uh, be frightening yeah, um, just imagine too all of a sudden he's just there you know you haven't seen this right? guy for a while and everything and you know he's you're sleeping with his girlfriend he just appears <laughs> out of nowhere <laughs> literally the whole world is looking for this dude and like begging him to come home right like please come back please come back and the one guy that doesn't want to see dr manhattan doesn't want to see him <laughs> not Dan. at all nope Mm-mm. nope nope, nope. <laughs> dr man's just sitting there <laughs> And then, and then he is Mr. Steal Your Girl because he just steals him. He just says, we're going to Mars. Uh, the, the, the worst fear that you can have as someone who is, is, is sleeping, with the, <laughs> sleeps, sleeping with his girl and everything, that he comes steal her back, you know, steal her away right? and everything. And, you know, this is, I guess, what this was probably what Dan is feeling right now. Right? Lori, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> where are you? Zip. Oh, man. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So we find that uh, chapter nine is titled The Darkness of Mere Being, mm-hmm. which is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. All right. So this this artistically, I like this. Uh, I like how they describe or portray the, the teleportation, right? Right. As the darkening, 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 and then lightning back on the mirror image. Yeah, uh, sort of like looks like shutters, like you know, just closing yeah. and everything. So yeah, it's it's very very unique in that aspect. Good good, good point out because I didn't even look at it like that. Yeah, okay. and if you th- and when you if in the book style, this is I think they're on facing pages. I don't think they're on opposite. They're on opposite pages, right? They're yeah. not on mm-hmm. front and back. Yeah. So you'd see both of those images simultaneously. So you'd see the fade out, fade in mm-hmm. on the same like all all is uh, you know on the same uh, the same like page, big right, page. Right. 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 Okay, and then. <laughs> And then it's so funny here, like, Dr. Manhattan brings Lori to Mars, and he says, do you like it? And, she, <laughs> and then she's like, ugh. She goes, ugh. And she starts, and he says, Lori. And she, you know, she drops her perfume and all her things, you know, the, the perfumes from the bag of her things. She had a dance, right, in his mm-hmm. living room. Right. And, uh, and then she sort of falls down a hill. <laughs> and, uh, and then Dr. Manhattan realizes, oh, yeah, you can't breathe. Oh, 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 that's just one thing I just forgot. Oh, you need to breathe. Oh, <laughs> man. This guy is so is untethered my... from his humanity today, he forgets that people need to breathe. <laughs> Isn't Mars amazing? Look oh, at Mar- Lori. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh. <laughs> Reminds me of that family guy bit where he goes, oh, yeah, ponies need food. <laughs> He says, sometimes oh. these things slip my mind, right? <laughs> the basic human necessity of breath. Mm. Goodness gracious. So then, she calls, then she calls John a stupid bastard, which I think is probably pretty fair. Oh, man, that's like light. <laughs> you know, that's like um, light compared to what she should be calling him, you know. <laughs> yeah, right? You abandon Earth in its hour of need, and then you transport me to Mars, and you can't even bother to bring me some atmosphere? <laughs> some oxygen? Uh. Tossio. Yeah, there's no atmosphere on Mars. Okay, so uh, 
so she says, I throw up every time you teleport me anywhere. And then she says, you better not forget about my air supply. You better not. And then, and then when you think, this is what's, this is what's hilarious about this to uh-huh. me. This is the funniest part. She goes, or, uh, and then she looks up and there's this enormous, like, glass working functional clock, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's an enormously complex and humongous. And we know that he made that before he went to got her, right? Like he made right. that back in the end of chapter four. Right. So the whole time he was forgetting about her heir, <laughs> he was maintaining this clock. <laughs> like that's what was on his mind. <laughs> it makes me laugh. I don't know why it's so funny to me. It's just like his priorities, man. <laughs> it's I mean, obvious it's, where his priorities it's, it's, are. It's, I don't know what you would call it or the way someone would think, but he is just thinking on a, a, a surface level that's just so untethered. Like I said, I just keep using that word untethered to any type of mm-hmm. humanity. Um, any, if I guess if you if a functioning robot, you know, something of the sort, you know, he thinks really logically and real forward that he's not bothering to think of like um, you know ancillary stuff that you know the stuff that humans you know actually. Um, have to have a need and whatever you know and then Lori's mm-hmm. response is oh shit i'm on mars <laughs> that's what i if i ever make it to mars that's what i'm gonna say oh shit i'm gonna step up oh shit i'm on mars <laughs> like something either went real right or real wrong in the future <laughs> that's she's, where i am she's just like um oh quiet oh you know oh wow and everything and 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 remember Lori is the one that you know, while she 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 dated this um um super powered hero, you know, super powered person, mm-hmm. super you know, superhuman and everything, she's the least likely one to experience any of this. You know, so right. she comes from a perspective of not um not really believing or you know just having real cynicism, and she's real so down to earth for now to you know for her to have this experience and everything is just. You know, just something that you would probably wouldn't expect her to have. You would probably expect like Dan or something, you know, or right. you know maybe any of the other characters. But Lori, I'd say, I'd say Adrian would probably be the most likely to make it to Mars mm-hmm. of the non Doctor mm-hmm. Manhattan characters in this story. Exactly. Lori's the least likely one, and here we're about to um, get to have, <laughs> have both of them debate the fate of the world. Yeah, he says, of course, it is here on Mars that we debate Earth's destiny. Like, come on, man. (laughs) That's so bizarre. (laughs) And she she doesn't like it either. She says, this is insane. I can't take your predestination trip right now. And he says, why does my perception of time distress you? (laughs) He says, why are you? She's like, why are you asking if you already know the answer? It's stupid. That, that that that's a question that really the um the the readers are also asking and everything. So it's good that mm-hmm. that the you know the character is pretty much saying you know things that the reader you know the reader is saying. So we we're getting that explanation um in real time. You know as we're reading. Yeah. And then she says, "You're like a how are you the most powerful being in the universe? And you're just a puppet." And then he says, "We're all puppets. I can just see the strings." Which is, this is an interesting philosophical, like, this is mm-hmm. one of the main arguments in philosophy is, is there free will or not? And what does time mean? Right. So if time's already a set factor, like, is any, are you responsible for your actions is kind of the gist of it. Right. <clears throat> Which Pre- is, predestination. You know, yeah, predestination or uh, are you choosing, right? But there's probably, you know, I have my own thoughts on that that I won't go into here. Because uh, they're complicated and stupid. Hey, oh, uh, which it's, is an interesting it's, combo. <laughs> well, hold, hold on. The, 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 so, so if you look at it in Lori's eyes, maybe that is stupid. Yeah. To, in you know her, that's how she's feeling about um, the thoughts and ways of Doctor Manhattan. You know the stuff that he's thinking. It's just stupid to her. You know she's thinking. So, it, go ahead. 
So for her, it's, it's so for her, she's just like us, which means that she can't see the she can't see around the bend. You know what I mean? Yes. Risk. So for for her, right point. the causality is if 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 time is like a like a river mm-hmm. and the river bends around, you can only see so far in the future and the past, right? Right. And that's the present for her. Right. But Dr. Manhattan's view of everything is like a map mm-hmm. where he can see the front, the backs, and, and everything, mm-hmm. but he can't change the flow of the river, right? Mm-hmm. So he can say this is where the river turns and mm-hmm. it's going to turn left up there, mm-hmm. but he can't alter it. Right. So that's kind of the way that's kind of the way he perceives time versus how she perceives it. She's on a raft and he's in a plane. I, yeah. I don't know. I know that's sort of weird, but uh, well, that's my understanding here. And a lot, of, you know, for a lot of us, well, I mean, unless you're just unless you just have superpowers, period, or something, you know, you cannot see the future, but you right. know that at some point, you know, your life is going to end because in history. Mm-hmm. A uh, man has not defeated uh, man. Uh, <laughs> well, what what was what is the term that they say that it's a, um uh it's, it's God is undefeated or something like that? You know, as far as mankind and everything, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, at some point your life is going to end. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's already been pre-termed, You know, uh, predetermined. You know, in a in a in a time type of way. So all the events that lead up to that, you know, it's just you mm-hmm. living. Until that, you know, day and time comes, you know, some at some point out there, maybe someone, you know, some being or whatever knows that time. And you're just doing is uh, is if if it's some higher powers out there that knows that, um, you know, knows of that and everything. Are you really just a puppet <laughs> dancing along, you know, the timeline until that um, timeline no longer in, you know, no longer, no longer happens for you, you know, right. just ends for you and everything. Um, There's so, a really neat. Uh there's like a really neat scene in Minority Report, uh-huh. <laughs> which is a weird. I know this is a weird thing to cite, mm-hmm. but Minority Report, where Tom Cruise rolls the ball across the table at Colin Farrell, and he picks it and he grabs it, and he says, "Why did you grab that?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "Because it would have fallen otherwise." And he's like, "But you don't know that. You don't know that it would have fallen. You just assume it would have fallen." Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like, I think that we have difficulty dealing with the fact that the universe is a closed system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you can't really impact. You can't. You can't impact a closed system from the inside of it like that. Mm-hmm. So the things that we're doing, I mean, from our perspective, we certainly have free will. But the fact is that time is not a continuous thing, right? Time right. is not something that unfolds gradually. It's something that is static. Right. It's something that always exists and always has existed. So right. if you were to look at the universe and you were to look at time from outside the system, you would see the entirety of the history of the universe all at once. Right. Like Dr. Manhattan sees it. So he says what he says, I think, in a little bit here. Why do you see you only see time as a jewel and you'll only receive one edge at a time? I think he says up in a couple pages. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit. So he he's still not outside of that system. Right. Right. Like he can't he can't pull himself out of the system so that he could change things. Right. Because I think like what, what he means to say here is that him changing something would create a new reality. Right. Right. So if he were to intervene to stop like the JFK assassination, like we knew he knew was aware of. Right. Or if he were to intervene to stop, you know, uh, the nukes from flying, even though he was aware that he didn't. Right. He would be creating a whole new universe, and that's sort of beyond his ability. Yes. Right? Yes. So he, he could, says, "I he, can see the strings." He could see the strings, but he can't do anything about it because right. it's already fixed and set. Because his his actions to change things are already accounted for mm-hmm. in the the jewel right right so there's nothing he can do beyond what he does <laughs> he can't he, yeah, that that's kind of I mean, that's my understanding anyway yeah so it's, it's yeah it's, it, it's weird. it makes it <laughs> and, and and just imagine Lori 
having to listen to all this and right. having to, 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 to go through this, being her boyfriend, I mean, being her, uh, you know, his girlfriend and everything. Uh, and, you know, being on Mars and, you know, she's about to just get the most existential, <laughs> you know, lesson and everything, of, um, you know, from this guy and everything. She and, and, and she's coming at from a layman's like, you know, from, a, a, I guess, a reader's perspective and everything. You got one mm-hmm. side on this, you know, this side in a, in a philosophical aspect. And then you got the, um, you know, other side, you know, trying to interpret everything or trying to understand where he's coming from. And then at the um, well, let's get let's get into the story and see how it goes. Yeah, well, Laurie is sort of like this, like a. I mean, I don't mean to say it like a like I don't want to sound like a misogynist, but like her character is sort of like the, an emotional, like reactive, right? You know what I mean? Right. Like she gets angry and she gets right. mad. Like that's kind of how how she's written. Right. And 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 John is sort of just the opposite of that. He's mm-hmm. detached and logical. Yes. So it's almost like the the uh, the reason part of the brain arguing with the emotion part of the right. brain. Right. You know, right. So it's two sides of the human coin here, which is interesting too. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anyway, so <laughs> so this is this next piece here is where this is where we have our conversation on this balcony I made, which he doesn't say that, but it's, that's where he is. And he says it commences when you surprise me with the information that you and Dryberg have been sleeping together. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> and, 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 and 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 listen to Lori's response. What? What? You know about me and Dan? Of course he does. He knows, but he everything. doesn't say that. He says not yet. <laughs> says not yet but in a few moments you're gonna tell me <laughs> she goes ah <laughs> she yells at him okay you're talking about it's, it's it's little comedy and everything come on now you cannot see the comedy oh, in this true. and everything oh my that's goodness. funny you're right this, that's is, funny. this is hilarious man and then the that's... next words out of his mouth are the destiny of the world <laughs> it's just, zoop, zoop. <laughs> and out and he says that's ridiculous so so the, you know uh john creates a table mm-hmm he says, there is no future, there is no past. This is when he says, the time of simultaneous, intricately structured jewel mm-hmm. that humans assist on viewing one edge at a time when the whole design is visible in every facet. And then he asks Lori about her earliest memories, and we get the snow globe here, and Lori's, reflect- Lori's childhood face reflected in the snow globe. Right. And then um, John says, the past isn't gone, it's still here, let yourself see it. And so Lori describes her first memory which is that when she was five, she goes downstairs, and she can hear her parents arguing. And she's kind of, she's kind of catching half of this, right? So, yeah. One thing I do want to comment, um, as we look at this page, it's on page seven, and it starts really in page six, the perspective. Mm-hmm. I love those perspectives. So we're getting Lori's perspective. So we're all we're seeing is just Lori's hands. And then um, the, uh, a very neat thing that, that Dave Gibbons does he the very first panel on page seven he has Lori as a small child looking into a mirror yep you know from her perspective and then the rest of the panel is just her you know observing the different events that go on you know within these um within these different panels and all we're Mm -hmm. not seeing Lori's face we're not seeing her reaction all we're doing is just seeing her point of view from the events that's going on which, you know, I mean, if you have a memory, that's pretty much how your memories are, right? I mean, I don't have a lot of third-person <laughs> third memories. But, but, you know but in saying? a comic book aspect, you, you may mm-hmm. have, like, um, you know, a thought bubble or, you know, um, right. um, a picture. Of, just to sort of handhold the reader <clears throat> to, to, to um, indicate um, how the story is supposed to go and everything, you know. And it, it was a way of um, maybe it's, 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 if, if you really think about why uh the 
comic book has got the, that stigma that is for kids that it needs to 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 handhold and you know to have a certain way in telling the story in order for you know young ones to understand and everything and it can't be for adults leave that type of stuff for kids this is to always pointing this is keeps going point to the um going back to point to the fact of how mature this is this page is not handholding you you know it's letting yeah. you know okay this is a memory and like you said it is if you're you're pretty much if you're you know remembering things you're not going to remember it from seeing your face you're going to be seeing mm -hmm. perspectives you know your own right. perspective so this is how this is and I, I just appreciate the fact that this is not hand holding you uh, another way and um presenting a different way of storytelling within this graphic novel absolutely and we're treated to the argument that uh Lori's parents had we basically her mother says i he, he was surprised that I was mad. Like she was surprised. He was surprised I was mad. I couldn't bear a grudge. It's different for him. I mm -hmm. couldn't sustain the anger. Uh, Larry, I think it's Larry. Right? It's her dad's name. Mm -hmm. Says, you know, uh, you really need analysis. And then she says, uh, how would you know how a woman feels? Oof, which is, <laughs> oof, how would you know how a man feels for that matter? Because she's not a man. That's great. And then. <laughs> And then she says, why don't you put it in one of your magazines you like to read? Oh, man, this is just, like, brutal. This is definitely not something you want a kid to hear, right? <laughs> this is, like, right, right. going to scar this so, kid. It sort of harkens back to that, you know, to those arguments that the um, the, the psychologist was, feel, you know, having with his wife, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, maybe not, maybe not on purpose, but it just, it just reminded me of the arguments that they were going through. It's an echo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, an it's echo. definitely yeah. an echo of mm -hmm. that for sure. Mm-hmm. And then so we, so she says, first of all, he was there. He was gentle. You know what that means for a guy like that? Even a glimmer of it? Anyway, so, so this, this kind of conversation goes on. We're treated <clears throat> to more details about uh, how Sally had felt a connection with this person. Mm -hmm. um, something magical romance is what she says. Mm -hmm. And then the, her husband says, it means a broken marriage, an uncertain future for our child. And Sally says, my child. <laughs> she just says, mine, not yours. Uh, then... Lori says she goes to the TV room. She tiptoes down there. Uh, she feels it's like a secret. Mm -hmm. And there's a toy on the TV. It's a castle with a snow globe. Mm -hmm. And she says it's a little glass bubble of... Oh, hold on. I got <clears throat> a cough. Well, she hey, finds... She also one. finds um, Sally's Silk Spectre outfit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know Ooh, if she's seen that before. Um but yeah, she she. Um, well, I think that's on display, but she touches it here. Yeah, mm -hmm. but she kind of tugs on it, like okay. uh, tugs on the skirt a little bit. Okay. So I think she's aware that it's there, but she never like. She so, sees it in this new perspective, or everything's a secret and enchanted. Right, right, right. But also in the um in a panel, it says, um, "My child, like you said, um, this is uh, this what is that's what um this is all about, right? Remember." Anyway, don't worry right. about her her future. That's taken care of. So, are we supposed right. to um, mean that? Okay, with her touching, with Lori touching in her memory, you know, the Silk Spectre outfit. Sh her mom is doing this to take make sure her child is taken care of. Is that what we're supposed right. to? Okay, you, you know, because I think she, we are. I think <clears throat> I think that part of that is that we're supposed to understand that <clears throat> Lori's father is helping out. Mm -hmm. 
and that she's so that there's 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 at least some sort of relationship there mm-hmm. that's financial in some point. Mm-hmm. And also, you're you're right. Everything that Sally's been doing, all the you know monetization of her adventurism, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. has been mm-hmm. purely for the benefit of her daughter. This yes. is why she's doing these things to secure her future. Right. Um, but it seems like. That 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 bubble is what I took from that. Is don't worry about her future, like not yours and not mine. Her, she'll be fine. Right, she'll be fine. <laughs> like she's you gonna know, be she's okay. Taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then um, she lifts it up. She says, "It seemed like there was a different type of time inside the snow globe. Slow time." And then her parents find her, and her mother yells, "Laurel Jane!" And then the, her dad starts yelling at her, but uh, you know Sally's like, "Don't you dare take this out on her!" And then we see the nostalgia glass bubble tumbling mm-hmm. with the word fragile children or she's fragile uh, then the snow globe breaks and um she says you know my real dad was hooded justice hmm. that's what Lori says here hmm. i think my real dad was Lori hooded justice mm-hmm. and then she's then then we cut back to the continuing dr manhattan interjects he says uh you know uh, i see then uh, your mother's husband wasn't. Oh, look, a dust storm. That's <laughs> what he says. He goes, "Oh, a dust storm rising," and then she goes, "Yeah, very nice." Like, no, no, he wasn't anything except a down, domineering bully, and he really used to pick on me. And that's probably why I'm edgy in relationships with strong, forceful guys. I mean, with Dan, <laughs> it's like she goes, "I was usually I don't like strong, forceful guys, but Dan, oh my, not strong or forceful at all. Not at all. Mm-mm. Just a Mm-mm. different, diff- different person. Yeah." <laughs> and then and then and then Dr. Manhattan says, "You mean that you're sleeping with Dryberg?" This 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 is is the comedy in this and uh, very deep, you know, um um mm-hmm. um, you know, like existentialism that's going on here and everything, but the comedy that's in, inserted in here is just crazy. <laughs> I mean, he just he already said you're going to tell me in like 5 minutes. And then when she tells him, she he goes, "What?" <laughs> oh, oh, what? <laughs> Like he's finding out for the first time. Yeah, good, good storytelling. Um, feature. Oh right man. <laughs> and then he says, "Why would you do that? You knew you were my only link to the world. When you left me, I left Earth. Does that not say anything?" <laughs> says you replaced me, and that link is shattered. So he does. He's saying I have no stake in the world anymore mm. because you were it. Like mm-hmm. after you, I'm done. I'm now Doctor Manhattan, free agent, no longer Doctor Manhattan of Earth. <laughs> and he says. Earth is, she says, Earth is important. Dr. Manhattan says, not to me. I like Mars. Mars is much better than Earth. I like my Mars, you know. Yeah, Mars is all right. I mean, you know, I don't have anything against Mars. Like, it's fine. It's up there. Way out in the middle of nowhere. Not a lot of uh, Mm -hmm. water. Some carbon dioxide. A couple busted cars. We've been... I can make my clock. We've been throwing... Yeah, he can make his clock. Dr. Manhattan doesn't... Well, he maybe knows this, but now there's a bunch of, like, rusted out cars on Mars because we've been shooting cars up in his space for the last 20 years and sending them to Mars. And they're just, like, sitting around now. but but Lori says one key thing here. She says, "Don't be ridiculous, John. Earth's too important to hinge on one relationship." Right, right, right. That's pretty deep. I mean, if if uh, if 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 we're to take John as like the most powerful, you know, Doctor Manhattan is the most powerful being in the world, and Lori mm-hmm. is going to be the our savior and everything. I, I think that's a really great way to um to 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 to. To really get a represent, she Lori's a great representation of humanity. You know, 
John is a John is a uh, is a man on uh, is the only I he's a man on a, um what I want to say here he's the only man on his own island you know mm-hmm. while Jet Lori as unbeknownst to um you know all the Earthlings you know right right on all the humans on Earth and everything she mm-hmm. is uh, representing humanity you know she is um uh, potentially you know their savior and everything and she's really talking to a god and she doesn't really know it. You know, she doesn't right. really realize or, uh, or or can't really fathom and take 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 into effect how powerful John really, really, really is. Right. It's something that's probably not easy to think about. It's not, not, you're not you know? and, and, and to ignore. But she she's she she's concerned <clears throat> about she she's concerned about her relationship with Dan. She's like the fact that, you know, she's being receptive and, you know, doing all the things that John isn't doing or didn't do, you know. Um, and she is really, um, tapping into like the, Alan Moore is really tapping into the human aspect of this particular character and, um, her, her conversation with this guy. Yeah. And again, it's the, it's the, uh, the id versus the, the ego, right? Yes. It's the, the emotion side versus the reason side. They're coming, they're at odds. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, this red planet's great. And she says, let me show you around. And she says, you're not going to teleport me anywhere. And so he says, fair enough. And (laughs) picks his clock up, you know what I mean? With his mind, lifts the whole thing up out of the, out of the Mars ground Mm -hmm. and starts flying her around Mars. Mm Mm-hmm. And she says, is this so I don't have to get travel sick? And then she says, I need a drink. And he says, what? She says, what's in the bottle? And he says, what do you want to be in the bottle? <laughs> and she's like, uh, water. Oh, and she can't light her cigarette because there's not enough oxygen. Right. <laughs> That's funny to me. Uh, he's like, why? So I could fill it with smoke? It's like, it's like, all right, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, Dr. Manhattan says, you know, she's asked Dr. Manhattan, doesn't it bother you that all the people are going to be dead? And he says, all that pain and conflict done doesn't bother me. And he says, all that generation of struggle, what purpose did they achieve? All that effort, what did it ever lead to? And we're going to have another flashback here. This is Lori now doing curls right. with weights and training in her in-house gym. Young Lori. Okay. Young Lori. She's 13 here. We find that out in a couple panels. So she's comes out of the in-house gym, walks through the in-house indoor pool. So things are going pretty good here for yeah, uh, the, you know, the, Sally uh, has done Pacific well family. for herself. <laughs> she has indeed. <clears throat> so we, we hear her overhearing a conversation and uh, Sally says, it's fun seeing you guys all once in a while, but why are we doing this? We worked so hard. What did we achieve? Which echoes what John said, mm-hmm. right? We worked so hard, all that struggle. What did we end up achieving? And then uh, we hear the snippets of this conversation where essentially it's, it's Hollis and Nelson and Sally talking about their old papers and the inspiration. They're talking about Night Owl 2 showing up. I think, aren't you uh, the new boy in the papers is what they say. Right. Uh, and then Sally says, well, as for me, what I achieved, you're sitting in it. And as for what I achieved it with, I'm sitting on it, which is pretty, <laughs> which is pretty funny, uh, uh, actually. And then Nelson doesn't care for that. <clears throat> he goes, oh, Sally, really? And then Hollis goes, oh, better clean up your act. Because Hollis is the coolest one, of course. I think right. Hollis is the coolest dude. Everybody loves Hollis, you know. Everybody does. He's the coolest guy, right? Like he yeah. does, He's the only one that he's the one that got into this for the right reasons. He's the one that gets out of it for the right reasons. Yep. Pure heart. <laughs> he's the one that Pure tells heart. the truth. He's the good guy. That's right. <laughs> So uh, Lori comes in and sort of talks to, you know, Captain Metropolis. 
She says, uh, Captain Metropolis, oh, you were skinnier back then. <laughs> She's very, like, direct. Right. Which is uh, funny. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Hollis, uh, Hollis asks if you read my book yet. And she says, book? And, and Sally's like, don't, maybe when you're older. Because obviously that's not subject matter you probably want your kid to read. Oh, man. And you're, you know, uh, your violent Hollis assault op- at the hands of the can of worms right there, boy. <laughs> right? And remember, like, Hollis is Hollis is very direct about, he knows this is Eddie's fault and calls him, like, a snake and awful. Like, it's not, it's very negative right. towards a comedian, right? Like, that's right. a lot of negative press. Mm-hmm. So Sally doesn't want her reading any of that. Right. Um, at all. Right. All right. And so uh, then Mothman shows up, right? The Mothman shows up uh, here. This is the Mothman who is coming from a, um asylum. Right. And he's got a minder who says, you know, club soda only for Mr. Lewis because the Mothman was a raging alcoholic and it caused him to lose his mind. So now he has the shakes. He's obviously in a terrible, you know, terrible, like, condition. Mm-hmm. His name's Byron. Mm-hmm. And they give him the club soda and she says, he's one of you. Is this what I'm training for? Is this what I have to look forward to? And she says, Lori, shut up. <laughs> so I says, Lori, shut up. Byron's fine. He says, and then Byron says, are my relatives here? Uh, and then uh, Byron drops a glass. So another shattering glass, right? Which is um, <clears throat> a recurring theme for this chapter. Uh-huh. And we go back to the flying nostalgia bottle, right? The, the nostalgia bottle tumbling through the air. And then the glass shatters, and Dr. Manhattan says, Laurie, are you not listening to me? Because he doesn't know. She just had this flashback, and he was talking the whole time. Right. It's like, I was asking the point of all the struggling, the purpose for this endless labor, the accomplishing nothing, leaving people empty and disillusioned, leaving people broken. And that's why she was thinking about Byron. Right. And she says, okay, okay, okay. That's fine. But isn't there some sort of importance? Isn't the existence of life significant? And he says, no. Which is a pretty big shutdown for someone who's alive to yes. say. <laughs> no, life isn't that important. And then he's showing her all the wonders of Mars. Mm-hmm. And he shows her the South Pole with steps 90 feet big. And then he says, tell me, would it be improved by an oil pipeline? Uh, which, is a, a nice, which is an environmentalist slam. Mm-hmm. Um, a sort of a naturalistic slam. Right. And he says, in those terms, sure. Uh, but, you know, what about art? What about sciences? You know, what about all that? And then she says, well, I want my cigarette light. And then he says, not enough oxygen. I could extend your aura. And she says, ah, forget it. Just give me some milk. (laughs) 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 Then Dr. Manhattan says, your definition is narrow. Life instigating, insisting on life's viewpoint when alternatives exist. And he talks more about how there were geysers and fountains and, you know, um, the ground came, ice melted. Mars chose not to have life is what he kind of says here. So, so at this and, point, he sounds really con- well, condescending in a, in a way where he doesn't really know or realize it in everything. You know, when she, mm-hmm. Tori Lori talks about, <clears throat> you know, environment without life, without um, life, with um, there wouldn't be even be an environment. So he's he's going on this, you know, on and on and about this and that and everything. And he's talking about how life doesn't make the environment look. Look yeah. at this. This is chaotic environment. It's all just uh, it happened. It's uh, you don't need yeah, any yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's coming from a uh, a perch. You know, he's talking down to Lori in a way and everything. She's not really um, taking it like that, but that's what I'm interpreting here. You know, um, towards her. But she's coming. She's has. She's she's she. Uh, 
this conversation, he has really good comebacks to his, um, you know, to his different observations <clears throat> about stuff. So it's it, yeah. the 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 conversation between them two is really really good. She's not feeling okay. She's not saying okay. Were you being condescending? You're talking down to me, thinking I'm um you know don't understand or being little in this situation. She has really mm-hmm. um you know legitimate questions and comebacks to his to his um comments. Yeah, she says he says uh, Rosen ra- eroded these rocks over time. He says you should have seen <clears throat> if you're sa- fascinated by rocks getting twisted into weird shapes. You should have seen me before I met you. My mother <laughs> eroded my adolescence, chipping me into the shape she'd have had she'd have been if she hadn't had me. Mm-hmm. So this is like a um, she feels that her mother was pushed me into adventuring as wish fulfillment, right? Uh, to try to to push her through that. And then she says, remember that Crime Busters meeting? Oh. She drove me there in a limo and waited outside like it was my first screen test. And we see Nelson putting uh, <laughs> putting black unrest up on the <laughs> up on the board, like that's legit. Right. Um, and then he stare. She's staring at Doctor Manhattan. He says, "Your girlfriend stared at me, glared at me the whole time." She was sixteen. And then the meeting collapsed, and everyone left. It felt like a big disappointment. And then she leaves. She, Dan gets in his ship. Rorschach goes off into the bushes. And somebody calls her name. And it's the comedian. He says, Laurel Jane, is that right? You're really Sally's kid? And so uh, this conversation here that takes place, the comedian's getting trying to get an up-close look at her. Right. He kind of grabs her chin and says, yeah, there you are. You got your mother's eyes, but you ain't got her hair. <laughs> but otherwise, you're like her. You're a looker. She says, thank you. He goes to light her cigarette, and then Sally sees her. Yep. And he says she says take your hands off her. Great 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 way to build up um we we already know um comedian's background so we know that he's a um you know a, a vicious bastard. <laughs> you know what he tried There's not to- a better way to put that. <laughs> That's pretty much true. He's not a nice person. Um so no. we know what he tried to do to um Sally back in the day, you know, during that crime mm-hmm. busters meeting and um um, we we get to to this point and we see him with um, Sally's daughter. So at this mm-hmm. point, I know when I first read it, I'm thinking, oh man, you know, right? don't 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 let him try to do what he tried to do with Lori, what he did with um Sally, you know. So yeah. this is what we're to think of um, the comedian to this point. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and that's all in the whole reasons that chapter two is there mm-hmm. to show us all that, that he is very dangerous. Yes. Very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and that these things that we're told about him are true. Right. Like they are not fabrications. This is not propaganda. Mm-hmm. The comedian really did all that heinous stuff. Yes. So we're meant to understand. We're meant to know that here mm-hmm. when he's interacting with with Lori. It's supposed to be dangerous, but he doesn't seem he says, hi, Sal, long time no see. Like nothing ever happened. Right. Yep. She says, not long enough in my book. And he's like, stay. She basically says, stay away from my daughter. And he says, uh, we were just talking. Can a guy talk to his, you know, his old friend's daughter? I mean, what do you think I am? And then she says, I know what you are. And she tells Lori to get in the car. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, I thought we'd settle this a long time ago. And then she says, get in the car. <laughs> she throws Lori in the car and says, the things you did, you know, they're not settled and they're not going to happen to my daughter. That's what she says. And then they speed away. And then this is the point where Sally tells Lori all the stuff that happened in the book. So now she finds out about all those terrible things that her whole life, she just sat there telling her everything. Right. All of it. It all came pouring out. We see the nostalgia bottle with the with the perfume pouring out here. So a nice uh, dual 
image there. Right. And, and then she says her pain or her fears. I mean, ordinary people, right? All the things that happen to them. Doesn't that move you more than a bunch of rubble? And then. So, so this at to this point, um, ego. I'm sorry. What, what did you say? You emotion versus um, the id is what they call it in like um, Freudian thought. But this is emotion versus reason. Is the way we yes, think of this. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're this is the big deep conversation. Emotion. You know, Lori <coughs> represents the emotion side, and Doctor Manhattan represents that other side. <coughs> so, um, and who's to really say what is more important at this moment? You know, we, right. we we don't we don't really know. We can't really determine um, what's right or wrong. It's just what is. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a um, constant battle between the two, you know, uh, when it deals with like human beings. So for her mm-hmm. to bring up this point to Dr. Manhattan and then what we see on here on the next page. And he says, no, <laughs> just no, nope. nope. And she says, I give up. <laughs> she says, I read Adam's. I can see the ancient spectacle that birthed the rubble. Besides, this human life is brief and mundane. And she says, I give up. It's just, this it's is just, just going around in circles. circles. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me how this conversation ends? <laughs> spare me to agony. Please yeah. spare me to agony. Oh, he says, man. it ends with you in tears. Look, a volcano. He says, look, Olympus Mons. <laughs> like he was, he's like, look. It's like he's got a new toy he wants to show, you know. Oh, he says, man. tears? You mean I lose? You mean you don't come back to Earth? And Dr. Manhattan says, I return to Earth at some point in my future. There are streets full of corpses. The details are vague. That's ominous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And she yeah. says. And now, now now she's feeling, now she's realizing the full scope because she's really mm-hmm. understanding. <clears throat> she knows that Dr. Manhattan knows the future. Um, yeah. But she's really understanding how big this is. This is getting bigger in her eyes where it wasn't before. If it wasn't before, it's now she's now beginning to realize and um, getting the uh, realization of, um, you know, the magnitude of what's going on. And she's like, um, yep. in the next page. Oh, no. You know, in small words. Yeah. Love the way they convey the, the thought bubbles. Everything is little the little details that 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 in that that convey what can only be um, read on a page. And, you know, and, and mm-hmm. into your mind and everything um, from from the size of um, words and a thought balloon to how it's presented mm-hmm. to us right in the um, right, you know, on the page itself. <clears throat> exactly. It gets the point across without being needing to tell you. Yes. You know what I mean? In, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a written work, it would say she said like it would be a descriptor. It would be uh-huh. like she said resignedly or something like that. Mm-hmm. But here we get that just by seeing the like you said the size of the font, the size of the bubble. Yeah. But what what Doctor Manhattan says here uh, when she says there's going to be a real war? Oh God, he says I'm not sure. There's a static obstructing the future. The electromagnetic pulse of a mass warhead detonation could cause that, but he doesn't really know. <laughs> he doesn't know that yet. <laughs> he says he says look beyond that i don't know what's going on i'm standing in the snow i'm killing someone he doesn't know who it is and then he said then he literally says look at it a volcano <laughs> <laughs> oh, breathtaking wow <laughs> all those people are gonna die Ooh, a mountain <laughs> and laurie says are you what are you talking about everyone's gonna die and he says the universe will not even notice at all in he a, says, in the grand scheme of things. We've talked about this before. <sighs> that human life was more significant than this excellent desolation, and I was not convinced. And Dr. Manhattan basically says, look, uh, the chaos here, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to leave. Um, but as we near, you know, he says, uh, what does he say? 
where there are pinnacles to rival, where are there pinnacles to rival the Olympus? Where are the depths of to match those of ah? But here we are, the Valles Marineris. You may see for yourself. This is a huge, um, like Grand Canyon style um, canyon on Mars. That's like ten times the size of the Grand Canyon. It dwarfs it. Right. Just to give it a, a little bit of uh, nerdy astronomical background, right. in case anyone had a question about what that was. <laughs> he says it stretches for three thousand miles. It's got fog, ocean. Um, you know, it's enormous. It knows night and day at the same time. It does the human nard know chasm so abysmal? And then she says, yes, right now I'm that depressed. Remember, or me when I've had too much to drink. And then John sort of offhandedly, this is so funny because you know they've been in a relationship for 20 years. Right. Because he goes, oh, yeah, I remember a banquet in 73. (laughs) He just just throws that out there, like right in her face. And she says, oh, don't remind me. And we're treated to a flashback of the banquet. And it's essentially a banquet where, you know, for some reason in 1973, the government wanted to honor Eddie Blake for his contributions to... You know, uh, to, you know, most likely the president shakes hands with Gerald Ford. There's cameras and food and everyone's happy with him. But Lori's pissed off because she read the the book. <laughs> she read Under the Hood. So she knows this is the guy who, who attempted to assault her mother and he's now being feted and, and admired. And she doesn't right. it doesn't right. sit well with her. Uh-huh. And she was feeling mean. And we, we hear the comedian talking to like it looks like kind of like G. Gordon Liddy and the other guys that were involved in the Watergate conspiracy saying, what happened to those reporters? They found him in a garage and they're trying to ask Eddie if he killed Woodward and Bernstein. And then uh, he's saying, I didn't do that, but don't ask me where I was when I heard about JFK, which is sort of like that's <laughs> yeah, ominous. He's wearing and he's wearing his little smiley face on his uh, lapel. And then Laurie sort of walks over. After, uh, you know, G. Gordon Liddy calls him uh, Dr. Manhattan, Mr. Uh, goddamn Mr. Spock. Mm-hmm. And Lori basically says, uh, what's my name matter to you? Because, uh, you know, the comedian says, Giuseppe didn't like your grandmother's name. Your grandmother's name didn't like Jupiter. Didn't take your old man's name. He's being kind of an, an a-hole. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he, he knows. He, <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of grabs Lori by the chin again, the same way he did in 65. And he says, you know, you're a pretty girl. I just got to look at you. I see your mom. You know, your mother, she was such a peach. And then Lori can't take that. She says, is that what you told her before you tried to rape her? And everyone tries to get her to quit yelling at him. They're like, oh, man. And then, uh, what's he say? She says, uh, you try to get her to having sex with you against her will. And then he says, only once. Yeah, and 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 being that the the type of guy we know comedian is, you know, um, mm-hmm. that Edward Blake is and everything, this particular scene affects him a lot. You know, yes, um, it, it yeah. really it really cuts into him because we're about to see, you know, why he's being affected like this. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then she says only once, as if like, oh, what if well, I didn't do it like fifty times. She said his scar made it look like he was nearing. So she threw threw her drink in his face. And then uh, John teleported her away. And it was the first time he ever did that. He was super mad. Right. Which is weird because he's protecting her. He's protecting the comedian. And we know he was there when the comedian got that scar. So he knows, like, John knows where that scar is from, right? Like, he was there the whole time that happened. Right. So he knows uh, more about the, you know, it's even more about the comedian's, you know, unacceptable behavior than Lori does. Right. Um. So Lori just sort of throws her mother's clippings on in Mars and says, look at this life. What does it even mean? It doesn't mean anything. Um, and then um, and then uh, Dr. Manhattan says, the, the, what the talk, start talking about thermodynamic miracles. Mm-hmm. 
And then she says, land this thing. And he says, okay, sure. And then he says, she says, take me back to, to Earth. I want to be vaporized with the rest of the humans. And then... He, <laughs> yeah, if there's, no point, he says, then if there's no point in this conversation and it's not going anywhere, everything's going in a circle, just take me back to Earth. You know, um, let mm-hmm. me just, you know, if, if the future is supposed to be what it is, I'm going back. You know, let me just be, you know. That's pretty much what she's yep. saying to him. And then this page here where, you know, he says, you rightly, you rightly complain that I won't see existence in human terms, but you refuse to consider my viewpoint. And while this is happening, Lori started to piece stuff together. He says, you're emotional, right? He says, you're, you're, you need to understand my perspective. You're deliberating, shutting out understanding as if you're afraid, if you're too delicate. And we're cutting back here. I'm mom, I'm 13. Mm-hmm. You know, I write Uncle great, Hollis's. Great montage. Mm-hmm. She's remembering things, so we're getting the, <clears throat> the summarization of her memories. Mm-hmm. And then she says, "I'm through thinking about my life." And then he says, "I don't want to see the design. I don't want to talk about the design." You see her looking at the comedian, being sad. Mm-hmm. We're getting the, the the caps. You know, you know his you know his old friend's daughter. What do you think I am? And uh, Doctor Manhattan says, "I think you're avoiding something." She says, "There's nothing to avoid." And then uh, we realize that she's real. She's piecing it together. Yep. She's looking at the clippings. She's thinking about her memories. Yep. She says, "No, not him." Yep. Not not she of says, all Lori. people. Not him. The one that she hated the most. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, can't, mm-hmm. it can't be him. It can't be him. She throws and she throws. She hurls her nostalgia. Her memory. You know the the symbol of her fragile fragile memory. Mm-hmm. She hurls with all her might the nostalgia bottle at the clock when she realizes that the comedian is her father, and that it's not different. It's just water inside. What she says. It's uh. It's not. And inside there was only water. Pretty 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 brick reveal. Um, when I was a wow. kid reading this and everything, or in my teens, I should say, um, mm-hmm. this was. Uh, this was deep, <laughs> you know. Oh, it, it's like one of those soap opera things and everything. Um, oh wow, you know mm-hmm. he, 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 um, you know, Lori, the, the comedian, did what he did to um, Sally and everything. I mean, all complications it ended up being, in, you know, that um, she ended up he, that the comedian ended up being her father. Yeah, and that just so, like, blew her mind, blew, blew my mind at least. <laughs> and and. It, and the comedian doesn't know she doesn't really know that, right? Mm-hmm. So he, from his perspective, that that encounter that everybody has made, you know, the defining the defining thing about him, and obviously mm-hmm. he's a you know awful human being, and you know that's not a forgivable or acceptable thing to do, right? But for Sally, she could like Sally couldn't maintain her anger at him, right? Because it seems to me, and this is and this is just kind of you know this is speculation. I think there's textual evidence for her. I think the comedian always always felt the same way about Silk Spectre, mm-hmm. and Silk Spectre is like her. Like her star faded, right? Just like everybody else's, and I think she lost, she missed the limelight. But Eddie was always sort of, you know what I mean, around and in uh, there, wor- exactly, and worshipped her, right? Mm-hmm. And always found her to be attractive, and was mm-hmm. always there, saying, you know, you know, this is what I want. And so when Eddie's saying just the the one time, you know, it was against her. Well, every other time, um, what he means is that there was an ongoing affair that happened after that, right? Right. <clears throat> so they had a relationship. Yeah, yeah, and, and my young understanding, I'm sitting up here thinking that, okay, well, Sally, after that incident, she would never mess with him again, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. have a t- any sort of relationship. So, um, in my young understanding of relationships not being complex, relationships are complex. This just shows, yeah. like, the complexity of what happened. You know, um, Eddie did a very vicious and crazy, 
you know, um, thing to, you know, to, to Sally and still ended up in a relationship with her. It, it show it goes mm-hmm. to show you the um, complexities of what Sally and her emotion, you know, what she, you know, what she been through, you know, with him and they, that she ended up having his kid. Yep. And, and it seems like there was a continuing relationship. So mm-hmm. like the comedian obviously was, you know, I think the comedian was contributing, like giving Sally money. It, it seems like it, right? Right. I'm not saying that she didn't do get her on her own, but it seems like the comedian sort of was aware that right. Lori was his and was sort of like, you know, chip it in. Right. And it's one of the reasons why Sally is as, you know, as wealthy as she is, right? She has like a mansion. Right. You know what I mean? In California, like she's, she's, she's very rich. Right. Um, and the comedian, you know, for all this adventuring he does and for working for the government and solving the Iran-Contra thing and handling Watergate and ending the Vietnam War, I mean, he right. just has the one apartment, right? Which right. is pretty Spartan when you think about, like, what he, you know, <laughs> right. what that largesse would mean. I mean, that, there's a dichotomy there between those two, those two characters, and it almost mm-hmm. seems like the comedian's constantly working to make up for what he did. Right. Um, you know, in that, in that stand, you know, from that standpoint. You know, um, he, he's, he's not being an actual villain, which is what the, um, the, the comedian's not a nice guy, but he's not doing no. things. You know, he's not robbing banks. He's not trying to take over no. the world. You know, he's not um, creating like a cult and everything. He's working for the government doing, quote unquote, good things. You know, if you want to call it work. that. <clears throat> yes. You know, um, but um, he's not being a, um, a, 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 a what I want to say, a, um <sighs> <laughs> he's not being uh like 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 i said a villain or a, um uh i just can't think of the word right now <laughs> he's, he's an not, anti-hero yeah he's he's the ultimate anti. he's like tony soprano yeah 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 it, uh, a, a version people of, when of, it suits him mm-hmm. yes yes exactly that's exactly yep exactly a criminal but you know i, I, I couldn't a, think he, of the word he's not being <clears throat> a criminal yeah. <laughs> absolutely and so this realization is, 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 you know, it hurts Lori because she always thought of one thing about him. But all those those interactions where he was like, t- like talking to her and like looking at her face and saying like, "You got your mother's eyes," and he's like, "What he's saying is you've got my hair." And they have the same color yeah. hair in that panel, which is right. such an interesting little right. the way it's drawn. They look look like the same. Right. And so that's what he's doing. He's not doing those things to 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 harm her or do something to her. He's doing them because he can see his own. He, he can, can see his, his own, own face in her. Yep. And it yep. also recasts everything that Sally does with Lori about her raising, mm-hmm. you know, her her training, everything. I mean, this is Eddie Blake's daughter and her daughter. Like, there's nothing else she's going to be able to do. Right, exactly. Yep. And when you think about how headstrong Lori is mm-hmm. and how aggressive Lori is mm-hmm. and how opinionated Lori is That's, and how, yeah, where, you know. Where, where does she get that from? <clears throat> a comedian. <laughs> so all of that, all of that stuff, you know, it all comes into fruition here, and it's something mm-hmm. that's been built the entire book. The whole book has been building to this. Excellent. And it's it's just such a you know it's a reveal that has been simmering. Mm-hmm. It's not something they came up with after issue eight. <laughs> right? Not at it's all. Not, the, not at um, all. It wasn't revealed in the redux. first or second issue. You know, it's been building, and you know, if you come at it from a perspective, not even reading it, it's a um, mind blower every time. You know. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a really great way. And Lori throws the, the bottle at the, um, glass structure and it all shatters, you know, the whole, the, the very little thing that she throws to that shatters the whole, mm-hmm. whole Dr. Manhattan structure. And he just His, looks at it and watches it fall. Yep. Her, her, her memories, right. The unbottling mm-hmm. of her memories, the, the nostalgia mm-hmm. shatters his reasoned and built up and lifeless automatic 
worldview, the clock worldview, right? The clockmaker's right. worldview, because he believes in that predestination, and he doesn't right. feel like... He's always, remember, in chapter three, he's looking for the first cause. Like, how did I become Dr. Manhattan? How right. did it start? And he's starting from, oh, my dad threw my watch stuff out the window when I was, <laughs> like, 12 years old. Right. So he goes all the way back there, and she's destroyed his preconceptions, and that's and she wins the argument by that. And she's in tears, and, um, and he says, I don't think your life is meaningless. And he says, I changed my mind. He's like, thermodynamic <laughs> miracles, things that are infinitesimally possible, like oxygen becoming gold. He longs to observe such a thing, and yet... He doesn't. He says he basically says that the odds of you existing are sort of infinitely tiny, and the fact that it, every single human being has this—it's the same for every single human being. And he forgets that. He says, "I've forgotten that." And he says, "Yes, it applies to anybody in the world." And he says, "We gaze continually at the world, and it grows dull in our perce- perceptions. Yet, given from an outside, um, it's seen from another's vantage point. It's as if it may still take the breath away." So he says, I'm going. So basically, they decide to go back to Earth. He says, dry your eyes and let's go home. Yeah. So 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 he's basically real. He's he's connecting that emotion part that that that, that he was so disconnected with and, and, and pretty much stating, OK, well, there is a logical reason for that emotion. You know, mm-hmm. Lori has gone through all this that she has for all the infinite mathematical things that happen in the in, in the universe and everything for her to have that relationship, um, you know, with, um, you know, uh, her mom to have that relationship with Dr. Manhattan. I'm sorry, Dr. Manhattan to the comedian mm-hmm. and for them to have that, um, you know, daughter, which is Lori, the one that he used to love, you know, probably still mm-hmm. loves her because he still has, you know, an element of humanity. Um, what it said it does say until your mother loves a man she has every reason to hate and of that union mm-hmm. of that million of thousand million uh, the thousand million children competing for fertilization it was you only you that emerged you know mm-hmm. it was um Lori the the miracle you know he's talking about thermodynamic miracles Lori is mm-hmm. the miracle which is really what every human being is a miracle you don't really know where I mean, that's getting into a whole nother conversation and everything, <laughs> but, 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 but you, you, you come into this world, um, with, you know, science, science have their, their, their reason and explanation and everything. But I mean, in my thought, you come into this world and it's a miracle that you even exist, yes. you know? Um, so Dr. Manhattan connects that emotion to, you know, his reasoning and changes his mind. And here we go. Mm-hmm. They're going back home. They're going back home. And uh, he realizes every single person is the same. So mm-hmm. as far as being every single human being and human life is a thermodynamic miracle. Now, sentient life is something that's so rare in his perspective that, you know, it's something that has to be preserved. And so he decides to preserve it and says, let's go home. And then we get this great quote from, from, from Jung here. Which is, as far as we can discern, the whole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light of meaning in the darkness of mere being. So uh, we give things meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do something while you're living on this planet. <laughs> yep. You got to have something to do, you know. You know, if there's a higher power and a higher being and everything, you know, um, what are you going to do? Just exist until you die? You know, you got to mm-hmm. do something in between to, to, to pass the time, entertain yourself. And I guess that's the great thing about humanity. You know, one of the, the great and, you know, the, 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 the good or bad things about humanity. You got to have something to do. 
sometimes it's something good, sometimes it's something bad, you know, but, you know, you got to do yep. something in between in those times because you only have so much time. You know, everybody has their allotted, you know, amount of time. And what you do in between that time is 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 a question, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I think that's the existential, you know, thing about um, time and humanity and, you know, the, the, the earth and the existence is still going to keep going without you, you know, and that's what Dr. Manhattan said. No, this doesn't matter. But at the end, Lori, in her own way, but because of her own, you know, realization and situation, he makes him she makes him realize that, yes, it does matter because that's still mm-hmm. a math- mathematical, you know, equation that you still have to count. So for him yes. to say it doesn't matter. It does make sense. Yes, it does matter, and that's why he changes his mind. And they, um, she, he takes her back to, um, back to Earth. Back to Earth, presumably to save things. Presumably, you know. Presumably. So this is escalation, and oh man, we we are we are in the end game now, guys. <laughs> yep. So the end the end coda here is basically pages out of Sally's scrapbook. Where you can see, you know, kind of her her career going from you know one to another, and the apparently they started making a serial about her, but they transitioned it into something a little more like pornographic, mm-hmm. and it got panned. And so, you know, then she was in like it looks like a Playboy interview. Like if you ever see the old Playboy interviews they did in the sixties right. and seventies, they would have the three pictures at the bottom, and this was what that would be. It looked like this. So I think that's a shade to this if you're not familiar mm-hmm. with the old old school. The, the articles in Playboy that people used to say they were reading, that's this. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, she, uh, and then she, we see. She she, yes. she goes into like the article talking about her husband and, you know, they ask her about rape and everything. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, her experience. Um, I have to actually go back and look at this again because. I would love to see how wow how this is this is another great way Alan Moore tells the story within the story and everything. So we know mm-hmm. everything that happened with Sally, um, but here this interview just goes into like the um the the so-called quote unquote seamier side of her crime fighting you know adventures and stuff. And there's a quote down here, yeah. um you know you know rape is rape and there's no excuse for it, absolutely none. But for me, I felt. I felt like I contributed in, in some sort of way, you know. Yeah. So she's saying that, okay, while there's no excuse for it, you know, what happened, um, she felt like she still um, felt like she was a part of something, you know. Well, think about it this way, too. I mean, this this the perspective of this interview, I mean, they're talking about her daughter. This is probably sometime in the 60s. It's after mm-hmm. Hollis Mason wrote his book. It's uh-huh. probably like 65, 66, somewhere like that. Right. And so she's talking about, she's doing this interview essentially to drum up publicity for Lori. She right. doesn't want to necessarily bad talk the comedian. I mean, she's been in a relationship with the comedian since that happened. Yes. So like it's the perspective of, of this, of, you know, the interviewer is, oh, wow, this is a thing that's long ago and gone and done. But mm-hmm. she maybe have, maybe having this relationship with Eddie this whole time. Like uh-huh. it maybe never stopped. Uh-huh. Yep, it's still going you know? on. So she can only while it, while what happened happened, and people know mm-hmm. it happened based on you know what happened with the um, under the hood book. Um, she she can't sidestep it. You know she has right. to um, address it. But if she's still having this relationship with the comedian, she can't say too. <laughs> she can't really you know denigrate him too much. You know because she st- she loved the guy. Yeah. And she loves Lori in, in her own right? way. Yeah, she loves Lori. Yes, yes, yes. So this yes, is like this yes. is the person who's responsible for providing her with you know her reason for existence. Everything she does is for Lori. Everything you mm-hmm. know, all the way that she, 
you know, she's training her for, you know, for a life of, of, of adventuring because she knows that she's going to get into it anyway or else she'll, she needs that release for that, that pent-up aggression that she's going to have because she knows who her father is. So, so it's hard for her to really hate the comedian because she loves her daughter so much, and that's her daughter's fault. I mean, that's that's kind of how I'm getting that. Well, 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 you bring up a great point because she she knowing how Lori is and knowing how how the comedian is, she probably realized early on, okay, this is where this girl is going to go. You know, I mean, is, in her very first appearance in this book, she yells at Rorschach. She's like, "Get out of here, Rorschach!" Like she's mad at him. <laughs> like she's just, she's she's got a temper, right? She she's got she got aggression. She's hyper spirited. You know, she um she's got a way about her. She Lori won't <clears throat> back down. She's not afraid. No, you know, she no. she she will she she's not afraid to confront. And um um you know um she's definitely her dad. You know, she's definitely mm-hmm. her father's daughter. Um. And Sally's seen this a while back, you know, um, raising her and everything. So instead of teaching her to be a princess going on, like, you know, ballet, you no know, doing all that type of stuff, maybe mm-hmm. a regular kid would do. It was no choice but to train her in a way to where she could, I guess, control that, you know, yep. aspect of her. Channel it. Channel it. Yes. Yeah. Great way, great way to put it. Channel it in a way to where, okay, if she's going to be a costume adventurer, you know, Lori thinking, Lori's thinking that her mother pushed her in that direction. Her mother, mm-hmm. her mother, knowing her child, knowing that she was probably going to end up in that direction anyway. This was a, uh, you know, she 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 decided early on, you know, I know what my, I, I, my my child is taken care of. I know how she's going to be. You know, I'm going to do things I need to do to protect her, train her. You know, do uh, uh do the the um salacious you know get the money up and make sure my child is taken care of because i see i see my i know who my child's father is i know she has a lot of elements of my um of of her dad in her so i need to Mm -hmm. channel this in a way because the comedian at his heart he's not a good person you know he's a like we said a vicious bastard or i said a vicious bastard you know you're correct (laughs) she she while while we we hope Lori would never end up being like that and everything um uncontrolled Lori could um um sense of well-being could you know go out of hand if not channel Mm -hmm. so her being up under sally and sally being such a uh a good person you know, uh, I'm not going to say pure heart and everything because, you know, you can't really judge. But she has her complexities about her um, and she really knew her daughter. It's just a, a, a thing of your if, as a parent, you really need to know or really need to recognize who your child is early on. So you could guide them in a way to where, you know, you can um, develop and channel their future into um, to, to, to protect them from them from themselves. Yes. <laughs> awesome way awesome it, you know yeah so it's like she'd be punching people <clears throat> like could you imagine like just she'd mm-hmm. be she'd be in trouble all the time she'd be beating kids yes. up i mean all, she's got mm-hmm. she got her dad up in she's her got you, know, you know you hmm. know uh if if <laughs> what would happen if her dad was straight <laughs> i know right be terrifying she'd be like yeah oh man she'd be like a a, a monster you know probably way more aggressive mm-hmm. than her dad <laughs> but yeah that's a good uh, yeah, a hey, great, great storytelling. Great, great way of um, character building. Mm. Yeah. So that's a big reveal, and I and I want to get talk of, just for a second about mm-hmm. you know the whole the main plot of this story is about who murdered the comedian. Yes, All right. That's how this started. That's what it is, and, and we're, it we're still is because we still don't know. 
we still don't know, and we're still, you know, locked up in that. Uh, the things have happened as far as, you know, the possible nuclear annihilation of Earth, which have rendered that question sort of a touch moot. Um, but it's important to remember that, you know, this is a story about, you know, the murder of Lori's father. Yes. Like, that's what yes. this is all about. So he's gone, and he's been murdered by somebody, and, and that parentage, right, that uh, the knowledge of that could be important to that story. It definitely is. Um, comedian is the only character in this story who we have no real time perspective of because he's already mm-hmm. dead. So yes. all we're getting is just backstory. We're getting filler. We're seeing people's memories of him. Um, we don't we don't get his version or his perspective um, in real time of things. So we're we're um, we're getting everyone else's. So comedian's yeah. arc and, and 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 complexity has already been formed. So, you know, mm-hmm. in the one aspect of him realizing um, um, that that in that one party when um, just before Lori threw the, the, the champagne or whatever in his face and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. we get that one instance of we actually get two instances. One when he was, um, you know, babbling towards uh, 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 what was his name? What was his Mol- name? Moloch. Uh, Moloch. Yeah. Yeah. We get that if, as a first instance of his like, you know, realization of. Um, it could because things don't really phase comedian, but that mm-hmm. what what happened with um Moloch phased him. Whatever happened, you know, we don't know yet. Um, and then also what happened with Lori, you know, yep. those are two major things in his life that you know that 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 has really shook him, you know, in a, in a yep. way. Ah, comedian. incredible chapter, Oof. you know. Um, it really we, is, we, you know. It's it's. <laughs> It's got this the, the philosophical talk, you know. The, like, like I said, I I, I had a, a lot of philosophy classes in school, so mm-hmm. I'll tell you that the, the 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 conversation between determinism and free will is, like I said, a very interesting piece of that. Um, the argument that the other argument that they're having, which is about, um, oh man, it's a it's a difference between um, environmental. It's not environmentalism because that's sort of the middle ground. It's like. A, like is are the humans the main point of everything on the earth? Is that right. it for is that it? Like is the earth designed essentially to be here to foster human life and the human life is the most important thing, or is it the other way and we're just like a, a sideshow and the earth exists and we are sort of here to protect it? Um, it's another sort of interesting kind of metaphysical argument that you hear uh, in that discipline. So this is a really complicated chapter in that it, it really brings up a lot of topics you don't usually hear. You know, you don't really hear it. Usually it's someone got kidnapped and Superman's punching the governor. You know, it's stuff like that, you know. uh, Yeah, great, great, great deconstruction. And we're getting two sides. We're getting, um, you know, the human aspect. And then we're also getting, um, you know, aspect uh, from from a superpower hero and his. We're getting an aspect from this um, guy, his point of view of how he looks at things. And they're mm-hmm. both legitimate. That's the thing I, I guess I want to um, just point out. Both for the arguments, Lori is not backing down on anything that the, um, that, that Dr. Manhattan is saying. She is coming back just like her dad. You know, she has her dad in her. She's yep. coming back yep. with, um, you know, different points to counter his points. So it's just a back and forth between them two. You know, it's as if um, comedian was talking to Dr. Manhattan, which we never really see live. You know, but we're getting. We that see a little bit in Lord. Vietnam, but he's more like he's more like eh. Well, <laughs> I'm like, talking oh, about it in a in a real type in a, in a real time. Oh, okay. You know, we're oh, okay, seeing gotcha, that gotcha. through um, Lori. So Lori, you know, if you want to posit her dad in her, Lori is really you know that fire. You know that 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 that's <laughs> you know we're talking about the savior humanity. Um, what what um 
what comedian was doing working for the government still being a quote unquote you know hero and everything you know being a, a wet work yeah. person um lori is is as existentially doing this for humanity she yep. is her dad a thousand times over mm-hmm. and i also want to mention some of lori's batman tendencies here uh-oh um she does have a couple. I mean, she's she's more reluctant than Batman was, obviously, but she does the training from youth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So building herself into a Batman. And then I do want to harken back. She does like to traverse the rooftops of Washington, D.C., which is a very Batman tendency. Uh, it's a Batman. Those are her Batman tendencies right there. Yeah. Oh, and parental issues. <laughs> and I, got, I guess got, now got, Gotta I'm, have that you know, definite parental issues. I mean, that's like an understatement. <laughs> yeah. And now I guess a murdered father, which, you know. It comes later, but whatever, it's in there. I'm, I'm counting that as a Batman tendency. Hey, yeah, it's there, you know. <laughs> um, great chapter. Um, yeah. So yeah, so so, I, I I don't know how else you can sum it up. The the last panel, I mean, page, page of course, the blood keeps descending on the clock, guys. Escalation is mm-hmm. happening. You know, we uh, it's just it's just big things about to happen. So we shall see and and well, yep. we happen upon this next chapter here. I can't wait. I'm excited. I hope everyone else is excited to come back next week and uh, talk to us about the rest. Exactly. So um, you can catch us again at, um, you know, follow us on all your social media outlets, at Nerdcyclopedia and also at Watchmen Podcast One, mm-hmm. you know, with no T, one, uh, you know, no with the T. one. Um, uh, join our Facebook group and talk about Watchmen, you know, all elements and everything. We have, you know, fun conversations at Sam and Scott are watching Watchmen on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're on Instagram, you know, at Nerdcyclopedia. You can listen to us on all our outlets, you know, at iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, um, YouTube. YouTube. You know, um, and also email us at Watching Watchmen. Give us feedback, please, at Watching Watchmen at Nerdcyclopedia.com. Absolutely. All right, then. So, Scott, we shall see them when we see them. Yes, we will. It's been fun, guys. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Yeah, you know, that whole comedian thing coming back is, like, my favorite part of this. Oh, it's the hark awesome. back, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. I, I like that because it's like, this guy is like, is, is there any redemption for him? And you look at the first the first couple of chapters and there isn't. And here, here we go. Right, there's one thing he did that's good. And ultimately...